0: We're gonna talk about being unveiled and taking off the mask today. Now I know there's a lot of masks going on today's Halloween weekend, and so people are gonna be wearing masks all over the place. We also have masks that we wear, medical masks that we wear. So I wanna say this, as I talk about removing the mask today, can I just get your cooperation that this is not a political statement, okay? I wanna use this as an illustration, all right? So I'm gonna put this mask on. I don't know how to, sound is going to sound. Is that okay? Do you like my smiley face? Yeah. Don't I look like the Lego man? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, when we go to church week after week, do you know, sometimes we put masks on. Is that true? And we meet each other in the hallway and we're like, how are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing great. Got my smiley face on. But how many of you know on the inside, you're not always doing great. Amen? Amen. You know, sometimes we do that with God, too. We go into our presence, our time with God, and rather than being honest with God, we're like, oh, God, hallelujah, Father, in Jesus' name, we love you. You're great, greatly to be praised. But you don't actually talk about the things that are really going on inside. Anyone ever been there before? Don't raise your hand. But you actually kind of lie to God, and you're not honest with him. And so we put these masks on. Don't worry, I'm not going to wear it the whole time. You're like, I can't hear you on Pastor Kevin. I'm going to get there. Today I'm going to talk about removing the masks. Can you trust God and let the mask down? We want to have a church, and I believe God wants to have a church, where we can be honest and authentic with Him. And a church where we can be honest and authentic with one another as well. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a place sometimes to keep some things to yourself not between you and God, but I get it. You don't just walk up to somebody you just met at church. How you doing? I'm a mess. <laughs> Let me just dump my whole life on you right now. I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about that. You don't, I mean, if you knew all the stuff's in here, you'd be scared for yourself right now. And I get it. But the concept of, re, of lowering that mask and taking that mask off, it's rooted in trust. As trust is built and trust is established you can begin to take that mask off. And so there may be a process in some of us becoming better acquainted with each other and taking that mask off. Even this week, I was able to reach out to a few men here in the church. And I had some things going on in my own head, and I was like, guys, I need to talk. And they allowed me to kind of share some fears and some anxieties with them. And that's because over the last year and a half, we built some trust. And they prayed with me. And they told me they... They were going to help in some areas. But that wasn't like day one. You understand what I'm saying? And that's not with everybody. You say, Pastor Kevin, you have things you're anxious about? Yeah, I do. Is that okay? Can I be a pastor that has some fears and some anxieties? But the, the, the healthy part of that is I know how to take him to Jesus, and I know how to take him to some Christian men, right? You do what you need to do with those things. And so the goal, let me see if I can get this off. The goal today, as we teach, is to help you build, first and foremost, confidence and trust that you can take the mask off with God. Amen? Amen. Because if you can't get real with God, you're never going to get real with anyone. And it's going to start with building trust. You know, why do we put these masks on in the first place? We put them on because we think they're going to protect us. Protect us from what? From other people finding out what's really going on on the inside? Think about that. What we think is protecting us actually might be hurting us. Do you understand that? Why do we put a mask on between us and God? What are we worried about if God really finds out what's going on on the inside? Are we worried he's gonna reject us? Are we worried he's gonna judge us? Are we worried he's gonna leave us or forsake us? That's what I wanna come and talk to you about today. I pray today that by the end of the service, you will have built some trust with you and God and that you'll be able to trust God with whatever's going on on the inside. And you'll be able to be the genuine, authentic you. God isn't looking to make you into some little religious character that just stands up, moves your hands, says all the right things. God wants genuine relationship with you. He wants to know you. here's the truth. Can we just establish something? God already knows the real you. So your mask with God isn't fooling anyone. So when you open up, and you take the mask down before God, that's not when He finds out about what's really going on in your head. That's not when He finds out what's really going on in your heart. It's when you open the door for Him to come inside to do something about it. Yeah, you can celebrate that. Think about that. Being dishonest with God, hiding things from God, not talking about what's really going on, avoiding it, not addressing it. It's not... Helping you, and it's not truly hiding it from him. So where did the covering up begin? Where did the false face begin? Was there a root somewhere? It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Open your Bibles, if you would, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 3. Book of Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 1 through 10, and you're going to see where the covering up began. It goes all the way back to our great, 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 great times a lot grandmother and grandfather. Back to Adam and Eve when God made them. So here we are in this perfect place, the Garden of Eden, and God designed mankind to have relationship with him. And here in the beginning, verse one. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit of any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit, in the trees of the garden, the woman replied, It is only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Serpent responds. He says, You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its, look, its fruit looked delicious. She wanted it the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave it to, some of it to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were open, and listen, they suddenly felt shame. That was a new emotion. They had never felt that before. You know why? Because that was never the will of God for you to feel shame. But shame entered, okay? And they saw their nakedness. And so here it is, here's the first mask. So they sewed fig leaves together and covered, hid themselves." All the way back there. It was rooted in something they had done. It was rooted in some fear that they had. What's God gonna do? When the cool of the evening breezes were blowing, the man and the wife heard the Lord God walking in the garden. So they hid, there it is again. They hid, they hid, they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to them, "'Man, where are you?' And he replied, "'I heard you walking in the garden, and I hid. "'I was afraid because I was naked.'" Here's what's beautiful. If you go down that chapter to verse 21, you'll see that the Lord later provides clothing from animal skins, which is actually a prophetic kind of picture that one day he would provide a sacrifice. The lamb would die to truly cover that sin, to truly pay for that sin. Amen? But here, I want you to see from the very beginning, Adam and Eve and man ran from God. They hid themselves. They created clothing out of fig leaves. They were never meant to wear fig leaves. They created a mask to hide themselves because they had sinned, because there was something broken in them, because there was something in themselves that was now wrong or dark, and they didn't want God to see it. But do you know that God already saw it? Come on now. Their covering themselves was unnecessary. And actually, when they did come into the presence of God, later, he actually provides the real covering for them that would heal them, that would bring them out of that fear. There's a scripture that I want to talk about today in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 through 18. This is what it says. Now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. You know, taking that mask off is about freedom. Taking that mask down, taking that false face down, that's real freedom, amen? Being able to be before God unashamed, being able to be before God with your weaknesses, with your fears, with your anxieties, with your frailties, and be able to say that in my weakness, He is made strong, that's real freedom. That's real joy. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But we all, with unveiled faces, taking down the veil, taking down the masks, taking down the false face, looking as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image, from glory to glory, just from, as from the Lord, the Spirit." See, when we're open-faced before God and we're looking at Him and beholding Him and He's beholding us, you know what He's doing? He's transforming us into His image. He's not judging us for not being perfect. He's not judging us for not being where we ought to be. He's bringing us there. He's growing us there. Amen. Amen. When we bring that weakness to him, he's putting his strength in that weakness, and he's bringing you into his image. He's bringing you into the fullness of who he's made you to be. He's not sitting there judging every spot and every wrinkle. He's not there condemning everything wrong. When you take that veil off and run to him, and you say, God, I remove the false face. I rem- can I trust you with this? Because really, that's the root, isn't it? God, can I trust you with the real me? I'm not talking about all the people now because like I said, over time you'll build trust with people and you'll know who you can kind of say, can I trust you with the real me? But I'm talking between you and God right now because it's God's nature, it's God's character we're talking about. Let's start with God. What will happen if I take the mask off? Will I be rejected? God, will you put me out if you know what's really going on? God, will you hurt me? What will happen if I take the mask off between me and you? And I just want to repeat what I said in the beginning. Let's establish that removing the veil and the mask is not when God realizes what's going on. It's when you begin to trust him with what's going on. And you're inviting him to help you with what's going on. And when you trust him, like I said, he began to transform you into that image of himself. When he sees you, he's seeing those wounds, he's seeing those hurts, he's seeing those fears because you have them. Come on. What an ineffective prayer time to spend this whole time praying and never talking to God about what's really going on. I was going to save this to the end of it, but you know what? There's been times in my life where I've had so much honest, time with God, I was almost scared that he was going to reject me for my honesty. Have you ever been there before? Because religion will tell you that. Religion will tell you that don't say that before God. Don't say it like that because you know what? Maybe sometimes, you know, we, we, we think just sharing the anxiousness in our heart, we have to say it in a religious way. Oh, God, you know my fears. You know my anxiety. You know what? I, there are times where I've spoken to God not politely. Come on. There are some things that I was disappointed about. Let me just say it like a real man. There were things I was angry about. I wrote God a very curt letter. Yeah. Very curt. I remember getting real honest and saying some things in that letter, and I remember thinking, wow, I shouldn't have said that. But you know what? I was already feeling it. And it was already in my head and in my heart and God can read my mind. Come on now. But do you see how we put up these barriers? Like even when we really are scared or even when we really are hurt, we still like act religious. Like there's a separation between us and the God who wants to help us. Rather than being genuine and authentic and the real you, just run in there with all your mess. Just run in there with all of your fear and concern. The point is you're running to him and not away from him. And what does that speak? It speaks of trust. It speaks that you know He loves you and He's not here to reject you. He's here to turn you into His image and whatever's messed up, He knows how to fix it. Some of us won't even go to God until we've already figured out how to fix our mess. And so you're like, I can't talk to Him about it because it's still a problem. That's when you go. You don't have to have the answer to go to the answer. He is the answer. And He's a speaking God and He knows more than you. And let me say something else. He will never be shocked by what you share. You mean to tell me that you're going to tell him something? That he's going to be like, wow, I've never seen anyone as messed up as you. (laughs) You are a wreck. I I can't do anything with you. Let me tell you, God's smarter than us. Amen? The biggest hindrance is you coming to him. The biggest hindrance is the fear and the walls and the masks that you put on yourself to pretend like everything's okay, to pretend like you've got it all together, rather than just saying, God, here I am. You're the potter, I'm the clay. Do something with me. With the addictions, with the messed up thoughts, with the stuff, the key today is trust. Let's open our Bibles, if you would please, to the book of Psalms, chapter 139. Psalms, chapter 139. Like I said, we're going to see masks all over the place today. And that's fun and that's great. But it's not fun and great when we wear them before God. Psalms 139, have you found it? About eight of you. Let's try it again. Psalms 139, have you found it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's great. Your Bibles aren't broken. That's awesome. Verse 1. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. Wow. Wow. Can we not read this like a religious person? Can we just take off the religious glasses? Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and you know everything about me. Listen to that, he knows everything about you. He's looked into the dark, dirty places of your heart. He's looked into the places of your heart that are full of selfishness. He's looked at the places of your heart that are full of fear, that are full of anger, that are full of resentment, bitterness, addiction, Pornography, lust, greed. Do you know he's looked into the places of your heart? Because everything is laid bare before him. Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit. You know when I stand. You know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. And I wrote on my notes here on the side, still he loves you. Can you write that in your notes in your, on, your, on your Bible? After you read through all that, you see me when I travel, you see me when I rest at home, you know everything I do, Right, right next to there, he still loves me. Because this doesn't say he sees all the good things in my heart. It doesn't say he sees all the holy righteous things in my heart. It doesn't say he sees all my best side It says he knows everything, 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 the good, the bad, the ugly. Come on now. And still he loves me. Amen? You know what I'm going to say? That's why that curt letter, God already knew what I was going to say. Even before I say it, you go before me, you follow me, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Can you look at this in the context we're talking about? He puts his hand of blessing on your head, even after knowing all of everything in my heart, in my mind, my fears, my anxieties, my weaknesses, my failures, my strengths, the good, the bad, and the ugly, he's still, you're his child. You're his son, you're his daughter. You can take the mask off, he already knows. You can be honest with him, the truth will make you free. Come on, be honest with him. And I love that all this blessing, his hand upon your life, is after all of this honesty before him, where he searches you, he knows you, he sees you. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Even if I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. You know, the psalmist is writing here because there's times that you do kind of feel like running away from God. Can we be honest? Are there times that you feel like running away from God? I do. There's times where I'm frustrated, I'm upset. There's times where I've made mistakes, and the last thing I want to do is go into the presence of God with my sin until I work it off a little bit. Anyone ever felt like that? Until I have like three or four days in a row that I haven't sinned because for some reason, I feel like maybe I've paid it off. You didn't. Because your righteousness is filled filthy rags. You don't pay off your sin by having three or four good days. The blood of Jesus pays for our sins. Come on now. Which means the moment I sin. We have moments we want to run. The psalmist said, I want to run. He wants to run to the mountains. He wants to run to the valley. He wants to run to the grave. Hiding from his presence. This is the person writing the psalm. This isn't a Satanist. (laughs) This is someone who's writing the Bible. And if people writing the Bible sometimes feel that way, how many of us might feel that way? Come on. Take the mask off. Get real with God. Let Him in to all the places. Amen. Your hand, if I ride the winds, wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. Do you see the heart of God in this? It's not I'll judge you for running. It's not I'll slap you for running. I'll punish you for running or feeling like you want to run. He's telling you that when you do get into the presence of God, that there's these blessings waiting for you. There's fullness of joy. He's trying to build trust here. He's trying to build trust. Your hand will guide me. Your strength is going to support me. He's trying to tell you what's going to happen. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as the day, darkness as light as the same." Isn't that powerful? You made all the delicate parts of my inner body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so fearfully and wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before you, a single day had, before a single day had passed. Listen. God knew everything, knows everything, everything, everything about you, even the way you've run away, even the way you've rebelled, even the way you've lived your life. He knew you before you were born. He knew every moment of every single day, and then verse 17, verse 17. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. Come on! Can we not get excited about this? People who, who have this concept that God is against them. God is so for you, he died on a cross to forgive you of your sin and shed his blood to forgive you of your sin. God is not against you, God is for you. He's against sin because it's killing you. He's against the devil because he wants to destroy you. He's not against you. Are you seeing this? Amen. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God! They cannot be numbered. I cannot count them. They outnumber the grains of the sand. When I wake up, you are still thinking about me. I love the Lord so much, but I love him. The more I understand him, the more I love him. Remove the veil. Remove the masks. Maybe even today, take a few minutes and have a real moment with God. Maybe it's the realest moment you've had in a long time. Not a churchy religious moment. I mean a real moment. Like what is really going on in your heart? What's really what are your real fears and concerns? Bring them before God. What are your real mistakes? But again, it's all about building trust, building trust. How will God handle the truth about me? How will God handle the truth about me? sometimes we have that mindset about God. He can't handle the truth. Uh, Yeah, he can. Amen? Say amen. He can handle the truth about you because he already knows it anyway. What will he do? What will he say? What will he think? How will he respond to me? I want to give you three quick stories in the New Testament to help you build trust with God? What will he do? What does he think? How will he respond about me? Here's why I want to do this in the New Testament, because I want to build trust between you and God, and I want you to see in the New Testament, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. John chapter 14, verse 9 says it like this, Jesus speaking, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So when we see how Jesus responds, we see God. Amen? Isn't that a great way to see the New Testament? Rather than, how will, he, how will he respond to my sin? How will he respond to the things that are true about me when they're bad and when they're ugly and when they're dirty? What, what's God going to do to me if I go to him with what's really going on? Let's see Jesus and how he responds. And then you'll know how God will respond. Can you see the connection? Say amen if you can see the connection. Awesome. How did God receive the truth about, number one, a chief tax collector? Write it in your notes. A chief tax collector. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. The Bible talks about a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in a what? Sycamore tree. To what? See what he could see. And then one day, the Savior came... No, sorry, we're done. (laughs) Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector. Let's think about that for a minute. He was not an honest tax collector. And in that period of time, the chief tax collector probably meant the chief one that was receiving all the kickback from all the extortion, all the manipulation of funds taking what really doesn't belong to them. Do you understand being a tax collector in that day was not a honored, cherished? It was not. Being a tax collector in that day was not as honorable and exciting of a job that everybody celebrates like it is today. (laughs) They aren't as sophisticated as we are today. So back then, it wasn't the most celebrated job like it is today. That was a joke, by the way wasn't a very good one, but I'd try. And if you are a tax collector today, we love you too. (laughs) Luke chapter 19. But here's what happens. Jesus sees him. Jesus sees him. And he goes to Zacchaeus. And he says, I want to come to your home. I need to have dinner in your home tonight. Here's what I want you to see. Jesus went after him just like God went after Adam and Eve in the garden. Can you see this? Tax collector, the, you know, the, you probably can almost imagine the crowds and the people of town avoiding him. They're angry. You understand, especially if they take more than they're supposed to, because now people are losing their homes, families are being disrupted, people are being thrown in jail because of oppressive taxes. This is, this is a mess. There's all kinds of emotions about Zacchaeus that we don't see in our little Sunday school stories. There's all kinds of crowd anger and animosity towards him. And Jesus pushes through all the opinions of the crowd, of all the people that are anti-Zacchaeus, and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your home for dinner because Jesus doesn't care about the prejudice and the bias and the anger and the offense of everybody else, Jesus is going after the lost. Jesus is going after the man. He's going after the son that he wants. He's going after his child, are you understanding? His sin and his his offense and his betrayal of all these things didn't change the fact that that was someone that God had his eye on and God wants him. Are you seeing this? Jesus came after him, and that's what I want you to see. Maybe you have been in a position, maybe you've been in a career that hasn't been the most honorable career. Maybe you've done things in your career that are questionable, that you wouldn't want anyone to know because of the judgment that the city would give or the the people would put upon you. And you fear even God. And I'm here to tell you that between you and God, run to him, because he's running towards you. And Jesus is God. How will Jesus, how will God treat my failure? How will God treat me? This is how God would treat you. Jesus entered his home. And Jesus, when he entered his home, didn't enter his home to condemn him. He entered his home to save him. To save Zacchaeus. At 11.45, I know some of you have to leave for volunteer time to get ready for county fair. We totally understand that. I've got two more stories. Are you ready for two more stories? John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. John chapter 8, verse 1 through 11. A woman caught in adultery, come on. A woman caught in adultery. The Bible tells us that Jesus was out teaching, and this w- woman was caught in the act, the very act some scriptures say, the very act, which I mean, I don't need to tell you what that means. You have imagination. So they throw her before Jesus. I don't even know, come on, can we not be like children right now? I don't even know that they gave her time to get dressed. Caught in the very act of adultery, threw her out there before Jesus. You ever think of that? They weren't looking to cover her up. They were looking to uncover her and to catch the Lord. And so here's a woman. They said, Woman, or so they said, Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. Our law says she should die. She should be stoned for this. And Jesus, looking at this woman, knowing that she was an adulterous woman, knowing even what the crowd wanted him to do, he writes in the sand, and there's all kinds of theories about what he wrote in the sand, but he makes this statement. He says, He That is among you without sin, let him cast the first stone. He that is among us or among you that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. So he didn't say that you couldn't cast the stone because the law actually said they could. He said, You can cast your stone when the one in the crowd without sin casts the first one. And you know there was someone in that crowd without sin? Who was it? Jesus. Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, you can't cast your stone unless I cast mine. And you know what? Jesus didn't cast his stone. Are you seeing this reality today, this truth idea? What'll happen if I take the mask off? What'll happen if I get honest with God? I'm trying to show you what'll happen. Do you think he's gonna cast a stone at you? He didn't cast a stone at the adulterous woman. So why do you think when you come into his presence with what's really going on, he's gonna cast a stone at you? And you know the reason he didn't cast that stone at this lady? Would you celebrate our volunteers as they go get ready? We celebrate you. We are so thankful for your help today. Thank you very, very much. They're not offended at the message, I promise. Or if you are, this is a good time to go. <laughs> we'll celebrate, we're clapping as you're going out. Thank you. <laughs> Just listen to this last little bit. He didn't cast the stone because he was gonna take her place and be punished on her behalf. He wasn't breaking the law. He knew he was gonna fulfill it for her. Yeah. That's why he didn't cast the stone. you understanding this? And then the last story, Mark chapter five, verse one through 15, we call him the demon possessed man. Here's a man that Jesus meets on the other side of a lake. He's on his boat ride across the lake and he steps off the boat. And when he gets there, there's a man that's been living in the tombs for who knows how long. The city has tried to chain this man and bind this man because he keeps trying to hurt himself, hurt other people. This man is crazy out of his mind. He's naked. He's cutting himself, howling in the, in the cemetery at night. This man is out of his mind. And, and when Jesus meets him, he has a conversation with the man, and then the devil keeps jumping in. The man comes running to Jesus, falls at his feet. The demons cry out, you know, what do we have to do with you, Jesus? Jesus asks for the man's name. The devil answers instead. The demon answers instead, says, Legion. Now, Legion in that period of time could be equated to possibly a Roman legion of guards, soldiers, which could be anywhere from like 2,000 to 6,000. And so this man, if if this is following Bible timeline, this man is possibly declaring through a demon speaking through him that I have at least 2,000 demons on the inside of me. Can I just say that's a lot of demons? I think one is a lot. And this man has 2,000. Now, this is a different conversation for a different day, but I always say this here because it's such a great illustration. The human being was not built to contain thousands of demons, but it does show you the capacity of a human being. That if a human being can contain at least 2,000 demons, you say, why is that possible? Here's why. Because you were built to contain the Holy Spirit of God. So if God, now God is infinite, and if you can become the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, then it's not too far stretched to believe you can house 2,000 demons, because you can house God himself. That's pretty awesome. Sometimes we just think of ourselves as mere mortals rather than f- f- remembering that we were made in the image of God, but that's another sermon for another day. That's why the devil hates you so much. You're not just a human being. You were made in the image of God. He hates God. Anyways, listen. This man that was filled with all these demons, the King James Bible, if you look in the little side note, it says unclean spirits. It doesn't just say demons. It says unclean spirits. Now, unclean spirits can also be defined as perverse spirits, not that there's a spirit that is like less perverse than another. I don't know how all that darkness kingdom works, but I I kind of imagine it this way. Perversion, the idea of perversion, a lot of that's rooted in sexual perversion. It's rooted in the occult perversion. All kinds of stuff could have created this man to the bondage that he was in, to the pain he was in, to the lost place that he was in. I'm just trying to help you understand, this man, we don't know what perversions or what things he might have done that opened himself up to 2,000 plus demons. But you know, there's people that we meet, or there's things that we've done, you might write people off thinking they are the most perverse, gross, detestable person but you understand that Jesus crossed that lake to find that man. Where we step to the other side of the room, when that guy at the office comes through, that you know there's a spirit of perversion on them, Jesus steps towards him, and Jesus steps towards you. You might be hiding a bunch of perversion in your own life, and even that word is a hard word to say in church. It's Perversion, oh, that just doesn't feel right in church. But Jesus wasn't afraid of the word perversion because he knew what he could do and what his intention was. Do you see this? I don't know what stuff you might be dealing with today. I don't know what fears, anxieties, habits, thing, things you've actually done that we still put that mask on, still put that mask on and we try to hide but I'm trying to help us today. Putting the mask on before God, putting the mask on is not helping you. When you bring the mask down, it's an act of faith. It's an act of trust. That's gonna help you, because that's God's plan. That's God's desire is to run to you, amen? What's God gonna do? What's he gonna say? How's he gonna respond? All I can show you is the Scripture, the Word of God. I can show you how Jesus responded to Zacchaeus I can show you how Jesus responded to the adulterous woman. I can show you how Jesus responded to the demonized man. And I can show you place after place that people with messed up lives, people with real hurt, people with real concern, people with real sin, I can show you how Jesus ran to them, how Jesus came to them, how Jesus died on a cross for them, how Jesus took on death, hell, and the grave for them, how Jesus shed his blood for them, amen. What's God going to do? You can trust Him. You can trust Him with you. Amen? Why don't you go ahead and stand as we close today. Did you get anything out of that this morning? Go ahead and give God praise for who He is, for His love, for His kindness, for His thoughts towards us. I'm gonna invite our prayer team to come down and get ready to receive you if you need prayer today. Let me ask you a question. Have you given your heart to Jesus today? Have you ever asked Him to become the Lord and Savior of your life? If not, let's do that today. God brought you here today for a beautiful county fair, absolutely. But beyond that county fair, He brought you here today to start a relationship with you. He brought you here today because He wants to be involved in your life and in your children's lives. And He's not looking for you to be perfect. He's not looking for you to have all the answers. He has the answers. So let's do this today. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every one of us need a savior. The Bible also says the wages and penalty of our sin is death. That means separation from God, even hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ the Lord. And then the Bible gives us the how. The Bible goes on to say all, say all, who will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from your sin, saved from hell, saved from death, and saved unto a brand new life in Jesus. And so that's where I ask today. Have you ever called on the name of the Lord Jesus to save you, to be your God, to be your savior? If not, let's do that today. Let's make a decision just like that. Or you may say, Pastor Kevin, I used to have a relationship with Jesus. But if I'm really honest, if I bring the mask down and I'm honest, I've grown cold in my heart. I've walked away and I've been kind of scared to come back to church. I've been kind of scared to come back to Jesus. But I'm here to tell you today, he's waiting there with open arms. He knows what's been going on in your life and he ordered your steps to be here today so that he can help you if you'll take the mask down. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna have everyone bow your heads and close your eyes for the next 30 seconds. Everyone, if you please would, bow your head and close your eyes. We'll give you some privacy. And this morning, if you say, Pastor Kevin, I've never given my life to Jesus, or you say, I wanna recommit my life to Jesus this morning. When I count to three, I just simply want you to raise your hand right where you are, and I'm gonna pray for you right at your seat. This is between you and Jesus. This is your first step in taking the mask down. And today, if that's you, when I count to three, and you want to get right with God, I want you to put your hand in the air, ready? One, two, three. If that's you, would you put your hand up? There's one hand there, a second hand there. Just put them up, put them up, put them up, put them up. Third hand there, thank you. Fourth hand there. Fifth hand, I see you there. Fifth hand there. Anybody else? Six, seven, all right, anybody else? Eight, nine, ten. Anybody else, 11, 12, anybody else? Just pop it up, just pop it up. 13, I see you back there, 13, awesome. I saw those over there, another one I think. 14 just went up, anyone else? This is the time to do it. God brought you here today, 15 right there in the middle, 16 right there, anybody else? Yes, 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 17, I see that hand, that's another one, 17. Awesome. You know what? I can't even—18 over here. Praise God. I can't see them all. 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Woo! Amen. Amen. It's between you and Jesus. So even if you didn't—even if I didn't see it, Jesus sees it, okay? Even if I didn't see it, put your hand up. Jesus sees it. You're taking the mask down. Would you pray this prayer with me right now, and everyone else pray it with me so no one's praying by themselves? Just with all your heart, as much as you can, pray this to the Lord with me. Dear God, I thank you that you see me just as I am. I realize that I have sinned and I have walked away from you. I receive Jesus Christ today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he died for me and that he rose again. Please forgive me of my sins. Wash me. Cleanse me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Take every part of me now, be my God. Thank you for saving me, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, let's celebrate that, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.